That's right. Torlai, Torlora something. Lahi. Because this is Lahi. American Brews and Tunes. Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity beam now. We're back. Watcha. Hoocha. Hoocha. We're back with a regular formatted episode of American Brews and Tunes. Back with a fresh batch. My name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. Now, last week we did a, uh, a one-off episode, which meant we reviewed one album and one beer. Yep. I don't remember what the beer was, but I sure as heck remember the album. What was the beer? I don't remember. Oh, it was Evil Twins <laughs> with that really long name. Oh, right. Yeah, and yeah. Blink-182 with no name. Yep. <laughs> Forgot um, about that. This week we are back, back. with uh, two new albums for us, albums to us, and for us to listen to and review. Two different beers. Yes. Um, the albums are uh, a little different from from each other. I'd say very different um, from each other. I've been listening to Tourist History by Two Door Cinema Club, and I've been listening to The Warriors Code. By the Dropkick Murphys. Wow. Very good albums, if I have to yeah, say so. I agree. Well, before we get to those albums, let's uh, let's get to some brews. Why don't we? Okay. <laughs> what, are you, what are you having? I am having a Duff beer. A April Duff beer. Fools! <laughs> <laughs> By the time you'll be hearing this, it'll probably be April 3rd. So, yeah, it'll uh, be a little bit after April Fool's, but we're recording it on April 1st. April Fool's to myself. I'm not having a Duff beer. I'm having the Southern Tier Creme Brulee Ooh, Imperial Milk Stout. It dang. says a dessert beer brewed with vanilla beans. Mmm. Mm. Sounds pretty good. Here's uh, I'm going to read the side here, and it's part of their, they call it their Blackwater series. Okay. Um, they've had some other beers in that series, such as their... Uh, um, not, it's not the pumpkin, but they're the warlock. The warlock is part of it. They're mm-hmm. chocolate. Oh, uh, the coffee one. Um, any of those like real big stout type beers are, are usually in that, that dark water, black water series. Okay. Here's what it says on the side of the, the brew. It says dessert beer. We made big waves when we introduced chocolate in 2007. Since then, our affection for decadent, flavorful, dessert-like beers and a zeal to venture into the far corners of the flavor world have been the drivers in our endless quest to brew the perfect indulgence. Our dessert beers are a fusion of exotic flavors, making each of them perfect pairing when you are craving exceptional stout full of personality. Why the hell not? Oh, yeah, why not? I don't know why not. That sounds pretty good. But it clocks in at 10%, so it's, uh, it's a little boozy. Uh, it says the perfect balance of roasted malts, caramelized sugar, vanilla, and rich, creamy custard. Mm. They should have said at the end of that, because sometimes you just have to get yourself something nice. <laughs> yeah. Treat you yourself. Do. Treat yourself. Treat yourself today. And I'm uh, I'm having... An equally decadent beer? Um, Probably not. I wouldn't use <laughs> the word decadent. Um, I would use the word delicious, though. Well, actually, I don't really know. <laughs> I've never had it. 
But it'll probably be good. It's from a brewing company that we both like quite a bit. Yeah. It's uh, from a local brewery here in Nashville called nothing else but Nashville Brewing Company. Uh, established in 1859. And this is their Nash Zwickel. Nash Zwickel. Um, a play on the uh, normal... Zwickel? Zwickel. And yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Nash Zwickel. Uh, but this beer is a golden unfiltered lager. Um, their normal lager, just their straight up lager that they have year round and whatnot, is a fantastic lager. Yeah, great example with a really, of a, a German really style full lager. body. Yeah, on the German side of brewing. And we have had a, a Zwickel on the podcast before on that that yeah. uh, Brian Fallon uh, episode. It was the Urban, Urban Chestnut, Chestnut Zwickel. Yes, Zwickel. and that was very good. Yeah, delicious. That so I'm very much looking game. forward to trying this from Nashville Brewing Company. I think our beers are going to be as different as our albums. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe more different. Who knows? Let's say we give these a, a crack and a... Uh, crack and a try. And, and a pour. Crack and a pour and a try. Yeah. We'll They're give both... it the old American Brews and Tunes try. Yeah. The, the good old American Brews and Tunes try, which is we try everything. <laughs> Usually turns out all right. Yeah. One would, does. One I mean, think. we'll see this time. Maybe it won't. No. The color of my delicious stout is, is fairly dark. Yes. Um, not as dark as the stout last week, the um, the Evil Twin one. That one was like molasses and tar. Um, this one is still fairly dark. It's got a pretty decent sized head, but I poured it vigorously, so that... You did. Um, yeah, that one is maybe just a few shades lighter than d- last week's. Yeah, and it's darker than like a Coca-Cola or a root beer. <laughs> yes. And quite, I, quite darker. I'd wager that it's... Much more delicious than Coca Cola or Pepsi Cola or root beer or RC Cola or root beer. I don't know. I like root beer a lot. Cola. I don't know what Shasta Cola is, but if it's anything like Shasta the other Cola, colas. Shasta Cola is the uh, Sam's Club brand, I think. Oh, I have no idea. Or Kirkland. Kirkland. That's the Aldi brand. Or Market Pantry. That's the Target brand. Yeah. I don't know if they have their own pop though. I don't know if they do either. I've do never they? seen it. My beer um, smells. Quite good. I think I, good. I get a lot of the vanilla, like that sweet vanilla flavors. Mm. Some of the stoutiness, but it's more like the vanilla sweetness and that creaminess that I'm, yeah. I'm getting. Just a quick side note. Pardon my little bit under the weather voice. I think I might be coming down with a slight cold. Uh-oh. Or a cough or something. My allergies have been in high <laughs> yeah. gear. And it's also allergy season here in Nashville. Nashville has got a lot of So my nose is all, pollen and stuff. all stuffy and whatnot. Yeah. It gets to a point. It gets to a point where you can actually like see the pollen. Yeah. Like on your car. I need to get a car wash. Yeah. Pretty frequently, depending on how where I'm driving. Anyway, enough about pollen. The color in your beer is pretty. Yeah, it is pretty. True, nice. what they said, golden. It is. It does look a little hazy, like a, a little, little unfiltered. Bit, a little bit unfiltered. Yeah. Not as unfiltered as a what I'd expect from a New England IPA, but it's not crystal clear. That's for sure. Yep, and it smells exactly like I expected it to smell. Uh, it smells thing. good. It smells like a traditional kind of German style brewing. You get that like really yeah. bready maltiness. Deine Bierenstein, yeah. <laughs> so let's say it that we good, uh, so we give these a cheer and a try. Let's do it up. As we always say on American Brews and Tunes. Down the hatch. Wow, this is sweet. Um, is it really? Yeah, it's really good. Um, they're definitely not kidding when they say dessert beer. Yeah. Uh, it tastes very, very sweet. Um, maybe it's been a while since I've had a Southern Tier, like one of these these Blackwater Series beers, but whew, it's very good, but 
I don't think I could have more intense. than one of them at a time. Yeah. It's really good, but it's actually... Is it a sipper or is it like... It's, it doesn't taste as boozy as a 10%er should, mm-hmm. um, but the flavor changes a little bit. And as I was saying, I, I'm not sure if I could have one of them more than one in a row. The sweetness kind of went away and then I got that bitter, like the bitter roasty flavor. Okay. So that kind of comes afterwards. Like a little little burnt, almost like that roasty. It's kind of nice, actually, afterwards, because you're nice. kind of hit with a little bit of an overwhelming sweetness. Nice. I was like, uh-oh, this, is gonna, this might be a little too much, a little too decadent. But because that, that roastiness comes in, it kind of balances it out. It makes for a nice little tasting experience. Nice. If I do say so myself, and I do. Well, mine is definitely not that. Oh, no? Um, it is... Exactly what I would expect from a golden unfiltered lager. It has a nice light flavor without sacrificing the the substantialness of the body. It still has a very like full body, um, but the flavors aren't very heavy. It kind of like rests like a little flower petal <laughs> on the water. <laughs> That's what the taste of this beer does on your palate. Interesting, Mui. Interesting. How does it compare to the Urban Chestnuts, Vickle? Um, I can't if say can that remember. I remember it too well, uh, just because that's been a while, right? I don't remember when that was. I think maybe the last time, because that Brian Fallon episode was before we went to see that Blink-182 cover band, right? Mm-mm, it was, it was after. Okay, so we had that after that. Hmm. Yeah, we, we went and saw a Blink-182 cover band play, and they had the Urban Chestnuts, Vickle, at the, the venue. It was a nice treat. Yeah, that was a fun show. It was a fun <laughs> it was, show. It was a lot of Enemy of the State type uh, type era songs. Yep. Great show. Um, but anyway, I'm not disappointed by this beer at all. It's very tasty. Yeah, good deal. It's a good, easy drinker. You want to do a switcheroo? Sure. See, what you, uh, see if you can experience the, the sweetness up front and you almost think that it's not going to go away. And then, and then it does. The, the roastiness <clears throat> will kind of creep up. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> Just putting my nose to it. You get that, <laughs> even though my nose really is par- sweet partially stuffed up. It smells like creme brulee, like really creamy. It smells like coffee creamer or something like that. Mm, yeah, yours is very tasty. This is a good, uh, easy drinking beer. I would have this any time of the day. Probably not breakfast, but maybe, <laughs> maybe breakfast. <laughs> no, but it's you're you're right. It's got that the integrity of the grains, and it's it's true to the style. Solid, mm-hmm. very solid. Oh, beer. I see what you're saying. It took about it took about seven or eight seconds. So you don't think that for the, the bitterness is going to come up the sweetness to dry to to um, die out. down. Yeah. yeah, but just right at the end, you kind of get like that little bit of molassesy bitterness. Yeah, that's that's I think what makes it nice because otherwise it might be a little overbearing. Yeah, it's pretty good though. It definitely does not taste like ten percent. Yeah, it does not, which might be bad. Yeah, but let's see. You're having only one. One a dabble do, dabble do, dabba dabba do. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive into the music, shall we? We shall. I uh, I'm gonna go first this week, talking about uh, Dropkick Murphy's album, The Warriors Code. The Warriors Code. Here, that's the Warriors Code. When did this album come out? 2005, 2005 I believe. Yeah. And it was in 2007 because that was their next album, which is called The Meanest of Times. Another great album. The meanest? Meanest. Meanest. Yeah. I mean, uh, it could be the meanest. I don't, I don't know. This is the first Dropkick Murphy's album that I've listened to. Uh, like, 
I know, I knew, I know, like the big songs. Yeah, like and you've obviously, seen them a couple times live. Yeah, yeah, and they've and they put on an amazing show. Yeah, their live um, show is great. I was actually talking to one of my coworkers <clears throat> recently, uh, as he was training me for this new position that I'm in, and his ringtone is um, "Shipping Up to Boston." Nice. And I was like, "Great, that's gonna be stuck in my head all day now." And he was like, "Yeah, they're a great band." And I was like, <laughs> "I saw them in Nashville like two years ago." He was like, I was at that show. It was awesome. <laughs> I was on stage at that show. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The, this, at the end of every Dropkick Murphy show, they always play um, these handful of songs that are like staples. And um, everybody goes on stage and sings along with them. And when we were there, the security guard said, no more people. And I turned to Jesse and our other friend, who's also named Jesse, and I said, throw me up there. <laughs> and they picked me up and threw me over the security guard. <laughs> It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, but anyway, overall, I I really like this album. It's a good one. Um, I really like their style. Uh, Celtic the, uh, punk. Yeah, Celtic punk is pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. They use the bagpipes, uh, the fife. What is the fife? I believe is the, the fife is a little flute that they yeah. play. I believe that's what it's called. In the original version of Shipping Up to Boston, they use one of those. A fife? It goes the... <laughs> Instead of the, uh, <laughs> it's like that and the, a, a, a banjo playing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. Um, Do you know where they got the cover for this album? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to touch upon that or not. I'll Pretty let you. sure I know. I'll let you. Well, we'll get there. Maybe in the next song. Yeah. Cause I just watched a movie very recently that pertains. Really? Okay. Tell me about it after we talk about this first song. Okie dokie. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the first song is called Your Spirit's Alive. And the song is a tribute to the band's friend, uh, Greg Chickenman Riley, a former hockey player who uh, who was a victim of 9-11. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was... Because I, I knew they'd talked about him before, like when they played yeah. songs and they said, this goes out to Chicken Man. Yeah. And I, I I had no clue that he was involved in 9-11. Yeah. It start, the song starts off with like a kind of like a classic like Celtic melody on the bagpipes. And then it gets really fast and really punk. Super punk. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's one of the more punky songs on the yeah. record. Yeah, it's a really, really cool song. Basically, yeah, it's just a tribute to their friend. Good way to kick off the album. Yeah. Like a punch in the face. And saying, your spirit's alive. And like, you're, you're always with us. Um, I like that song. Um, I didn't really give any recommendations because I actually like the whole album. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. I mean, I guess I can recommend one song once I get there. Okay. But... Anyway, on to track number two, which is The Warrior's Code, oh, which nice. is where the album cover comes from, I believe. In the album title, in case yeah. you couldn't tell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and this song is about a uh, boxer from, I, I guess, from where they're from. From Lowell, from... Massachusetts. Okay. Um, it's a song about, I think his name is Mickey Ward. Yeah. And he, I guess he was like fearless in the ring and he like, he didn't win a whole lot, but his like spirit was like just a, a fearless nature. He was like the, he was the common man too. Oh, really? Every day. Have you ever heard of a movie called The Fighter starring Mark Wahlberg? I've heard of it. Yeah. It's about Mickey Ward. Oh, is it really? Yeah. It's such a good movie. Was this uh, song in it? I believe it was actually. You'd think it would be. I'm fairly certain it was while he's boxing or doing a montage or something. But yeah, uh, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg plays Mickey Ward and Christian Bale plays his uh, drug drugged out brother. Oh really? Dickie, yeah. 
Mickey and Dickie. Yeah, and Christian Bale was so skinny in that role. Really? Even yeah. skinnier than The Machinist? Not not as skinny as The Machinist. Okay. But pretty like significantly skinny, though. skinnier than he should be. Yeah. But yeah. Great movie. I'd recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, the chorus is, Mickey, it's a warrior's code. Mickey. Mickey. Yeah, great song. It's a fantastic song. Um, that's what it's about. It's about Mickey, um, who was just, was a fighter. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted to, I guess, honor him? Yeah. Because he's uh, a hometown hero kind of guy, almost. Yeah. Are they from Boston, or are they from... I think they're from just outside of Boston, but okay. I don't know where in particular. While you're talking about them, I'll look it up just to, to confirm. If you ask anyone, they'll say, yeah, it's a Boston band. Yeah. And in fact, I saw them in Boston once on St. Patrick's Day, 2011. Oh, pardon me, 2009. I was two years too early. It was the first year that they had played at the uh, the House of the Blues in Boston. That's pretty cool. Such a great show. You went there with your dad, right? Yes, I was. Um, I just looked it up. They were formed in Quincy, Massachusetts, which is part of the metropolitan Boston area. So it's like a a, a Boston like suburb, a southern suburb. Okay. So pretty much Boston. Okay, cool. Um, it's kind of weird that they have so many. They do a lot of like traditional Irish songs. Well, I guess are, are their their ancestors are probably from Ireland or something like that. I think they're mostly all Irish. Yeah, makes sense. Big Irish pop population there. If you ever seen The Departed? I think there's a lot of Irish cops. Yeah, a lot of Irish cops. cops. Irish cops. Um, but the, the are mu- you a cop? <laughs> the music video for that song features clips of him, like some of his matches. Yeah. About Mickey's matches. Mickey. Mickey. He does it again. Yeah, he doesn't even. He doesn't really even look like a boxer. Mm-mm. I guess yeah, that's what you're saying. Just like a, a common, common dude. Yeah. The movie's really good too. It was done by David O. Russell. Um, like he did. Uh, what the heck's that movie? Silver, Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. Um, what was that movie where Christian Bale was in the '70s and he was real fat and had to come over? Oh. Um, American Hustle. Yeah. He did that one too. Same director. Um, so he's he's. He's done quite a few good things. Yeah. Nice. Check and it out. The Fighter, starring Mark Wahlberg. I'll have to watch that. I have it on Whenever... DVD. <laughs> it's on also DVD. on Netflix right now. Oh. Just watch it. Whenever you first said The Fighter, I immediately thought of uh, a Cinderella story. Oh, that's a great one, too. And I was like, that's not the same movie, Jesse. If you guys haven't seen a Cinderella story, watch that as well. Isn't that Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe, yeah. Yeah. And directed by none other than Ron Howard. Ron Howard. A true American gem. True American hero. He really is. American Graffiti. Wasn't he in that? I don't know. I don't know either. I think he was. Don't quote me. The... <laughs> he was in Happy Days. Happy Days. I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, I know what he was in. Happy Days. And he directed... Uh, Apollo, uh, <laughs> he, direct, <laughs> he directed Apollo 13. Yes. One of my favorite films of all time. You know what? Enough about... Enough about directors of Ron Howard. the album. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got sidetracked. <laughs> On to track number three. Uh, called Captain Kelly's Kitchen. This is a uh, a version of a traditional Irish, traditional Irish song, "Courtin' in the Kitchen." Mm, Courtin' in the Kitchen, and it's basically about the woes of romance. Yeah, pretty is much. Essentially, what it's about. It like that tells a story of a single guy who like gets seduced almost by this guy's daughter, 
And then he finds out, like the dad finds out, and she's like, I never did any of that. And then this the kid's in trouble. and Captain Kelly get, comes down the stairs into the kitchen. Yeah. And it's all it's full of all kinds of mishaps and, and shenanigans. Tomfoolery. Yeah. But anyway. Good song. This is a song with a Turalurali. When I saw them do this in Boston, the bass player's daughter, along with her dance class, came out and did some Irish step dancing to this song. Really? It was so funny. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And they were in like traditional Irish garb, whatever that I don't know I don't remember what it was, but that was it was interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. A bunch of drunk people in the crowd and then a bunch of kids on stage dancing. <laughs> Weird combo. <laughs> Dropkick Murphy style. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, on to track number four, it's called The Walking Dead. And this song is basically about how history repeats itself. No connection to the TV show. Yeah, absolutely none. Or is there? <laughs> um, but the basic premise of this is... Uh, the chorus where they say, what's so new about what you're saying? It's a new generation with the same sad song. What's so new about what you're saying? Just another generation with the same sad song. Yeah. And in the song, in the, the bridge, there's that sweet Fender bass tone where it's like super punchy. It sounds awesome. But that's a, that's a really catchy song and... A lot of, uh, I feel like a lot of bands sing about this very same subject, uh, where, like, literally, when you think about it, history does repeat itself, um, which we'll come back to later as well. Very true. Anyway, on to the next song, which is called Sunshine Highway. (laughs) This song, whenever I first heard it, kind of took me off guard like oh because like it's like really sing-songy like the chorus is take another ride on the sunshine highway take another ride try to turn it around i was like is this a theme song to a tv show (laughs) it really could be it's got that fun accordion (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it does have a a meaning to it though yeah um apparently sunshine highway i am going to read uh This from Lyric Genius. Uh, It says, The Sunshine Highway is actually the road towards the quote-unquote dry-out center owned by John Dropkick Murphy, a former wrestler and the band's namesake. You take the Sunshine Highway to get to Dropkick Murphy's, where you sober up for a few hours before you head home. Interesting. I didn't know that. And I guess the Sunshine Highway got its name from all the broken... Liquor bottles that were on the road oh, that geez. would reflect the sun when you drive on it, I guess. Oh, that's... So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a little lot different than what I expected. Yeah. I mean, whenever I first started, I was like, huh, Sunshine Highway. Maybe they're talking about doing drugs or something. Maybe. <laughs> Chasing the dragon on the Sunshine Highway. Yep. Um, but that's a really catchy song, though. Even though it is, like, sing-songy and kind of strange. Uh, the next song is kind of interesting. It's the song called Wicked Sensitive Crew. It's a weird one. It is a weird song. Very weird one. Um, It seems to me that they're talking about how all these people nowadays are are like so tough and they're all just posers and they're not actually tough guys. That's what it seems like. Like one of the lyrics is, um, well, it's all gone to hell now. The wimps have gangs. Pop punk tough guys with neck tattoos. (laughs) 
Well, if you guys are hard, then I'd rather be soft. Man, I gotta find me some seriously sensitive dudes. It's really kind of odd. It's really weird. He's, he's almost like saying like, we like, oh, it. you guys are tough now? Wow, I must be like really sensitive and really like not tough or something like that. Remember the part about Rocky in this song? Yeah. Do you have? Do you know what they say about it? Mm-hmm. Do you well, want to read do it? You, do you want to say it? Yeah, okay. I got it right here. <laughs> Steve, you can say it. Uh, in the actual song, they say, I ain't ashamed I cried when Mickey died in Rocky too." Um, and they have a little asterisk on that lyric. And right below it, in the liner notes, it says, Mick, it says, Mickey actually died in Rocky 3, but hey, sue us, two rhymed better. <laughs> and <Yeah>. they're right. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the lyrics in it. It's uh, pretty funny. Goofy song. It is a really goofy song, and I'm not exactly sure what it's about. Um, but there is another part in the song where they talk about Teddy Huggy Bear et al. Um, uh, the, the line is, man, they know what's up for sure. You see, it's home to the godfather of love, the bald little man who started it all. One Teddy Huggy Bear et al. No idea. And I learned that Teddy et al. is a concert promoter from Albany, New York. Oh, who apparently uh, he like booked a lot of like punk shows and like hard like hard shows, mm-hmm. and I guess in between bands like he would like come up and talk about love and how everybody needs to be loving each other more. <laughs> so he got the nickname Huggy Bear. So he was a, he was a sensitive guy, even though he's probably tough. Yeah, uh, yep. too funny. But so that's a pretty good song. Um, not my favorite, but it's pretty good though. Yeah. On to. Uh, track number seven which is called the burden and from what i could tell this song is about someone named frankie who's gonna be all right yeah frankie's gonna be Be all right (laughs) um i'm not sure if they're referencing someone specific when they're saying frankie but i never really knew it could be it's a catchy song though catchy whoever frankie may be yeah frankie whoever you are i hope you're doing all right maybe it's frankie avalon frankie avalon yeah who's that the singer from what like the olden days Oldies. One of the olden days. Was it Frankie Avalon in the Four Seasons? Maybe. Am I making that up? You might be making what that was, up. What was his backing crew? While you're talking, I'm going to look this up because I'm right. blank. Well, on to track number eight, which is called Citizen CIA. And from what I can tell, this is them kind of bashing the way America's military works, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really... Really fast song, really good song. Uh, it's a little bit of a shorter song, um, and I'm guessing that's exactly what they're talking about. Um, so, if that's your thing, it's a good song. I can't find anything about Frankie Avalon. In, in maybe you got the group. I think it's just him by himself. Maybe you got the last name wrong. No, but there's Frankie Avalon's definitely a big like pop singer from back in the day. Hmm. Like back in the like 40s. Uh, I'm sorry. Probably earlier than that. Okay. No, no, no. 50s. Okay. <laughs> so I was incorrect. He was born in the 40s. Okay. Um, but anyway, on that same theme of uh, kind of like dissing military or like not really agreeing with the way that the military operates, mm-hmm. uh, we get to the next song, which is called The Green Fields of France, mm-hmm. which is the one song that I would recommend if I had to choose one. Interesting. It's a... Uh, it's a cover that the Dropkick Murphys did. I wouldn't, of the song. I wouldn't have picked this one. Hmm? I wouldn't have picked this one as your 
It's a great song. I mean, it's a good song. It's a yeah. fantastic song. Um, it's the, their cover of No Man's Land by Eric Bogle. And it's basically an anti-war song, uh, but they tell it through the eyes of someone singing about a 19-year-old who died in World War I hmm. in 1916. And um, they follows William McBride. And my favorite parts of the song are, well, first of all, the music. It's really kind of like, it's a little bit slower. It uh, They have like a lot of fife and a lot of bagpipes. And... Fife, a very traditional, traditional Irish chord progression, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds really good. Um, but the uh, the chorus is: Did they beat the drums slowly? Did they pay, play the fife lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus, which is a a song traditionally played on the bugle at a funeral, like taps. Yeah, like taps. Similar to but yeah, but it's last post different. and chorus. And then did the pipes play the flowers of the forest, which is a traditional, um, I believe it's a traditional Scottish folk tune generally played at a funeral. So, so you have that as the chorus. So they are continually coming back to this, mm-hmm. like questioning what they did for his funeral. And um, in there's one verse that I very much like. Um, where they say the sun shining down on these green fields of France, the warm wind blows gently and the red poppies dance. The trenches have vanished long under the plow, no gas, no barbed wire, no guns firing now, but here in this graveyard, that's still no man's land, the countless white crosses and mute witness stand to man's blind indifference to his fellow man. And a whole generation were butchered and damned. And then it goes back in. Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the fife lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lured you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Um, so it's a kind of connecting with that song from before where the same sad story from the same sad song or whatever the same questions mm-hmm. history repeating itself um in a later part of this song they also say um did you really believe that this war would end wars well the suffering the sorrow the glory the shame the killing and dying it was all done in vain oh william mcbride it all happened again and again and again and again and again war so yeah Keeps it's a I just think it's a, fa- a fantastic song that really describes the uh, kind of like inner conflict with people who have to go to war and mm-hmm. and <clears throat> almost like it's necessity, which is completely unfortunate. Yeah, um, but it's a really it's a great song, yeah, great cover song. They support soldiers, song. not war. Yeah, that's what they're. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do, as we'll see in a uh, in a later song as well. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has to be a one down note in every episode yeah and there's a big down note or in one song. uh one reality note there <clears throat> are you talking about take it and run no i am not oh of, from the green fields of france no something that this is to come okay more of a down note later yeah um well the next song uh called take it and run is a song about a single mother named maureen 
I guess, who is uh, uh, struggling to like keep a job and she has kids and struggling to feed her kids. And basically it's about how um, them saying like, all your dreams are going to come true one day, Maureen. Like, just keep fighting and keep going for it. What's her name? Marlene? <laughs> no, Maureen. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> no one's going to get that. Mm-mm. Literally nobody, actually. <laughs> Very true. Um. Anyway, on to the next song and probably their most popular song. I'm shipping up to Boston. Oh, nice. And you want to know the funniest thing about this song? They didn't write the lyrics? That is right. <laughs> is that the funniest part? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, they, uh, I learned it's a that poem. it is a song, or yeah, the lyrics were written by Woody Guthrie. Yeah. And American I poet, guess, musician, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, and I guess Matt Kelly, the drummer of the Dropkick Murphys, said, We were bestowed the honor by his daughter of being able to go through his lyrical archives and pick out a song or two of unpublished lyrics. That we thought would be kind of cool. Yeah, picked out this one. Yeah, so they picked out that one, and whenever this song came out, it wasn't like really popular. It never made it to like the Billboard 100 or anything like that until until The Departed. Yes, in 2007. What year did that movie come out? I don't know when it came out, but it's probably around that time. But they they put that song in that movie a couple. Then I think it pops up twice. Yeah, and then one of the uh, Boston Red Sox players had it as their walk up song. Like during the playoffs, and now this is at every sporting and now event. it's like yeah, like every like crazy sporting event ever. If you go see any sporting event live, you'll probably hear this song. Yeah, and if you haven't heard it, um, been, I'd be very surprised. Very good song. So as to what it's about, um, I guess there's a sailor who lost his leg. Uh, whenever he was climbing up the toss, top sails, he lost his leg. And so he's shipping up to Boston, whoa. <laughs> shipping up to Boston, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> to find his wooden leg. That's what it's about. <laughs> Those are the exact lyrics repeated <laughs> yeah. over and over again. But it's a great song. Except they say, I'm shipping off to Boston, whoa. Shipping up to, to Boston, Boston, whoa. What a great song. To find my wooden leg. A fantastic song. A good song to rage to. Fantastic. Yeah. Now back to a traditional song. It's a, well, it's not really traditional. It's uh the song is called the Odd Triangle. Ald, like A-U-L-D. A-U-L-D. But tri- it almost sounds like they're pronouncing it old, but it's old. And it's the same as all like the sign. Yeah. Is it not traditional? Is it a no? Is it in the public domain? No, the guy's still alive, or it's protected. Uh, well, I'm guessing because what is it? After they die, it's seventy years after their death. It's still protected. Yeah, U.S. copyright dictates that the copyright survives the life of the author plus seventy years. Well, let me look I, it up while you continue. From what I can tell, the odd triangle was first performed in 1954 as part of the play The Queer Fellow. Now, I'm not sure if that song existed before. It was performed in a play, but perhaps it was. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I can't really find too much on it other than it was first performed for that. As far as I know, maybe it is a, it is a traditional song, um, but it, uh, it follows the story of occurrences in a 
in Mount Joy Prison. Um, and, uh, in the old triangle went jingle, jingle. Yeah. There Their version is a, a lot faster and different. The original version is way different mm-hmm. than the Dropkick Murphys version. I like um, the, the version in Inside Lewin Davis is really good. Oh, I didn't know they played this song in that. Mm-hmm. Chris Thiele from, uh, what, what the heck is that band that he's in? Um, Nickel Creek. Oh, really? Chris oh, Thiele, right. the, the mandolin player. Yeah. Um, he sings this in Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, Great okay. part. I'll look that up later. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, but anyway, first it was first made famous by the Dubliners in the 60s. Got that version then, on my computer. And then the uh, the Pogues also had a version of it in the 80s. Makes sense. And then the Dropkick Murphys. And I'm sure many other bands had I'm versions sure, of yeah. it as well. It's fairly popular. I want to say traditional, but I guess it's not. I looked at the, the writer up. He died in 1964, so it should still be protected by copyright, I believe. Yeah. At least is. for a little while longer. What, for like another 20 years-ish? Mm, a little less than that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, on to another uh, kind of a sad song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's track number 13. It's called Last Letter Home. It's a fairly sad song in context. Yeah. This, uh, it kind of has a similar feeling to, uh, the green fields of France. Yeah, about the war. Um, yeah, about the war. Except this is a, the war in Iraq. Yeah, much more um, current yeah. than World War One or whatever that was. And <clears throat> this song is dedicated to Sergeant 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 Andrew Ferrer, who died in the Al Ubar Al Anbar province of Iraq. Um, and I guess he uh, he loved the Dropkick Murphys like a lot, mm-hmm. and I guess he really loved their song "The Fields of Athenry." That's a traditional one, but their version's really good. Yeah, and I guess they actually played that at, at his funeral. Yeah. Would you like me to read the cool. liner notes about this song? Yeah, I've got some good stuff here. <clears throat> it says, um, "This is a, a, a full paragraph I'm going to read here." Um, we had already finished this song that was based on general correspondences to and from the soldiers serving in Iraq when we were contacted by the family of Sergeant Andrew Ferrer, who had recently died while serving there. The family wanted to tell us that he was a big supporter of the Dropkick Murphys. They also passed on a letter that he had written to his mother shortly before his death in which he thanked her for sending him a Dropkick Murphy CD and said that if anything should happen to him while in Iraq... He would like one of our songs played at his funeral. He also left behind a wife, Melissa, and two young boys, Tyler and Liam. His tour of duty in Iraq was coming to an end, and he was due to come home and renew his wedding vows with Melissa to another song of ours forever. Sergeant Ferrer died on January 28th on his 31st birthday. We were present at his funeral to grant his wish and played Fields of Athenry at his casket as his casket entered the church. The song was rewritten to include excerpts from that letter. Hmm. And you can hear, like, they're in that bridge, they read the letter. Yeah. Like, one of the letters, at least. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool to see a band do something like that. Yeah. But, anyway, on to, uh, on to track number, the last track. That's called Tessie. Tessie. And this is a, a song, basically like an ode to the Boston Red Sox. Literally. It's basically what it is. I guess... Back in the day, the Boston Red Sox had this like choir or like gang that would sing and cheer the Red Sox on. 
And at that time, they weren't called the Red Sox. They were called something else. I can't remember what they were called, but they weren't called like, the Red Sox. Something closer to the Patriots or something It was like American something, something or other. It was a weird name. I don't remember specifically, but um, I know. But I guess they would... Uh, they would sing, I think it's either the group is called Tessie or they would like sing a song called Tessie and cheer on the Red Sox. And basically, this is a song about how they love the Red Sox. Yeah. It's pretty good, though. They released this before the album came out because this was the theme song of the 2004 Red Sox team. Oh, really? And then that team went on to win the World Series. So, oh, so then all of a sudden the Dropkick Murphys are good luck. Yeah, they're like, we did this, not the team. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Would you like to switch gears? Yeah, let's switch it up. From like Dropkick Murphys to Doodor to Tudor to Doodor Cinema Club. Tudor Love. Tudor Cinema Club. The album's called Tourist History, or for anyone else, Tourist History. No, no, no. It's not pronounced that heavily. Just, tourist. Just Tourist History. Yeah. Tourist History. <laughs> this album came out in 2010, a great year. I guess it's I mean, just yeah, a year. Year gra- year we graduated high school. Yeah, that was a fine year. I guess it, that was okay. it was a year. Um, it's their debut full length album, um, and despite how they may sound, they're from Northern Ireland. Really? Yeah. Go figure, huh? Yeah. Uh, because you can't pick up any I accent can't on the pick record it up at all. Uh, it, it's crazy. When I when I saw they're from Northern Ireland, I'm like, really? Like what? <laughs> um, this album took me a while to get into. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, like the first few listens, the songs kind of blended together a little bit, and not that they all sound the same, but there's definitely a vibe, a feel that goes to all of them. It took me a while to kind of there definitely is a vibe, kind of separate the songs, yeah. Um, but eventually, it grew on me. Um, it's a super dancey record, mm-hmm. very um, dancey, more dancey than most things I would listen to. Um, it's got that disco-y kind of feet, like drum beat, where the the hi hat opens up on the upbeat, so it's like scats, 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 like a club beat almost. Um, yeah, but I feel like it's all on an acoustic drum set. It's not like electronic sounding. It's mm-hmm. just that way. Um, this album, though, it is now really like highly regarded and popular. It did not do well at first. It did really? well in Ireland, um, but it didn't even chart. I think in the U.S. or mm-hmm. or Canada or, or the U.K. or London, I should say. England, but as time has told us, this album went on to do really well, and Two Door Cinema Club is is now a fairly large band. I wonder if they were like slightly ahead of their time because this came out in two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Well, I yeah. suppose MGMT was still around then. Yeah, I mean th- that was they're an indie kind of like rock dance group. I don't know what you would call them, um, but this was right around the time that that was starting to get like huge, even a little before that. So I think they were right in the right place at the right time yeah um, but i don't think they were ahead of their time mm. um let's dive in shall we we shall um the first song is called cigarettes in the theater in the theater i, I don't know why they didn't call it in the cinema because they're the two-door cinema <laughs> club uh i gave this a rating of three and a half door cinema club <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> um it's a good album opener uh like most album openers that we we talk about uh it's high energy and it gives a a clear indicator of what's to come. Mm-hmm. It showcases their sound fairly well. Um, the drums in the intro and the verses kind of throws me off a little bit. Okay. Uh, it almost sounds like he's hitting a different snare, like that really high... Like he hits like these weird weird snare hits. And if you go yeah. back and listen to it, it almost sounds like those tiny snares that are really tight, like the real yeah. high-pitched ones. Yeah. It sounds really cool. Don't like get the, me wrong. Like the marching snares? Yes. 
Okay. Um, and it's it's not the one that you, when you hear the chorus, it's definitely not the same snare hit. Um, but thematically, the song's about meeting a girl randomly, like they're at the theater and they both smoke and they just happen to meet each other, Run smoking into each other outside. Yeah, for a ciggy break, and they start a relationship. Um, seems to be the start of a great relationship, but then comes track number two. Oh, track number two is called "Come Back Home." I gave this a rating of four door cinema club, and I recommended it. Um, I'm not sure if I would say that it's related to the first song, but a lot of places that I looked said that these two songs were related. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have guessed that, but a lot of people can't be wrong. A lot of people can be wrong, but yeah. um, a lot of people likened it to almost like a sequel to the first song. Um, whereas that song, Cigarettes in the Theater, is the beginning of a relationship. Come Back Home is the end of a relationship. Uh, like Everything's kind of sad, but he's kind of hoping that she finds another way, like a better way. Because uh, she might not have the strength to do it, so I think he's kind of trying to nudge her because they both kind of know it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in this song, but kind of all across the record, they're fairly vague. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really go into specific details yeah, at all. Um, so there's a lot of interpretation that can happen here. Yeah, um, A lot of people may think they know, but unless the artist tells you, who knows? Yeah. Um, there's a really cool riff when the music kicks in. And it's kind of like urgent and I don't want to say ominous, but it's kind of like got that menacing feel to it. It's hmm. a, a very specific, subjective way to describe that sound. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how I feel when I hear that. A very subjective way. That's a good way to put it. But when the chorus comes in, it's positive and like major and hopeful sounding. Mm-hmm. you come back home? And it just sounds happy there until it gets back to the, the verses. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it, it has a nice counterpoint between the verses and chorus, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Um, moving on to track number three. Um, and I have to actually switch pages to, go, pages to go to track number three because for some reason, the Spotify track listing was different than the actual track listing. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to jump around my pages a little bit. Okay. Um, track number three is called Do You Want It All? I gave this a rating of Four Door Cinema Club, and I recommended it. Oh, two recommendations in a row. I know. Can you believe that? I can, I can believe it. Um, this has a softer feel than the previous two two songs. The other two were a little more abrasive. Not in mm. a bad way, just more just a little bit more higher upbeat. energy, a little bit... Not even upbeat, just faster, louder, uh, punchier, maybe. A better, better word to say than abrasive, but I think abrasive is a good way to describe the other <laughs> ones. Um, this song has a lot of repetitions a Mm -hmm. lot of repetitions yep a lot of repetitions a lot of repetitions um not a bad thing um that causes the song to be memorable uh the lines get stuck in your head and it's really easy to sing along to yeah um there's two main parts that they repeat a lot it's the do you want it do you want it do you want it all do you want it do you want it do you want it all Mm -hmm. and then in the last maybe like third of the song oh because you want to be all because you want to be all because you want to be all and eventually they kind of morph those two lines into each other uh, and they're both going at the same time it's really cool sounding um but it might almost be like radiohead-esque where it's not necessarily about the lines that they're saying as much as they're using the vocal part as part of a musical idea yeah they're trying to create like a scene trying to create a soundscape rather than rather than you focusing on one melody or one line. 
from my understanding, I think Radiohead does it a little bit more. Yes. And maybe a little bit more abstractly, but they do. that's just a, a, a good way to describe it, I suppose. Yep. Yep. Moving on to track number four, uh, this song is called This Is The Life. I gave it three and a half door cinema club. So I guess that half door is probably like maybe like a dumbbell door or something, you know. Dumbbell door. Maybe like, you know, when you like knock on the door and the, like, the door halfway opens like password. <laughs> so that's that's your half door. Hey, dumbbell door. Oh, good one. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Albus. Uh, this song's not as repetitive as Do You Want It All, but it's still fairly repetitive in the chorus. Um, if this is the life, this is the mm-hmm. life, this is the life, then it one, two. And so it's repetitive again, and it gets stuck in your head, really easy to memorize. And has that same like um, hi-hat on the upbeat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost every song has that at some point, it yeah. seems like. There might be one song that doesn't, but it, it's pretty much every song. Hard to tell what this song's about, so I'm just going to get base it on some of the things that I read, uh, some of the things that people said it was about. Uh, some people said it's about ignoring real life and like real issues because everything in your life is going good, I guess. So maybe it's not as it seems, but you're not really caring. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't really... Maybe it's just about love and life. This is the life. This, this is, is the life. life. It could be. I don't know. Uh, let's move on to track number five, which is called I Can Talk. Um, I gave this a rating of five door cinema club. Oh. The highest rating. And it's my last recommendation. Five door cinema club. Very catchy. It starts off with this really odd vocal part where it's like the uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. It sounds really <laughs> odd. Yeah, it does. Uh, and then the music comes in. Uh and for some reason, like when I heard this song the first time, and even when I listen to it now, his vocal, like the, the sound of his voice reminds me of Ben Gibbard. I don't know if, uh, have ben you ever listened Gibbard. to, um, what the heck's that band called? Uh, Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah. Have you ever listened to them? It sounds like him to me. <laughs> like I, I hear him saying, and it just reminds me of Death Cab for Cutie, hmm. like the sound of his voice. Yeah. Um, and it's really odd. Um, but he he sings a couple lines in the verse, and then it almost comes to like a pre-chorus part, and they add these really odd harmonies, and it almost sounds like a computer talking to you. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like right before the chorus comes in, and it's just, it's striking. I feel like they did that on purpose because this song's about talking, quote unquote. Um, more specifically, I think they're talking about um, people's ideas and opinions and how not everyone's is really valued as like in the same amount as other people's. Yeah. Um, not everyone can talk or whatever. Um, mm. Yes, that does make sense. Yeah. But it's, it's really interesting. It's a very, very catchy song. Every song on this album is catchy. I'm not going to lie. Um, but this one's in particularly very catchy. Yeah. Move on to track number six, which is called Something Good Can Work. I gave this a rating of four-door cinema club. Another four-door. But it's not a recommendation. Is that a four-door sedan? Nope. Four-door cinema club. Oh. <laughs> no sedans here. Um, this is a, a slightly softer sounding song than some of the other ones too. Um, still dancing and catchy, obviously, but uh, uh, for lack of a better word, less abrasive. Less abrasive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to peg the song's meaning, like most of them, but it seems like he's uh, convincing a girl to prove herself to the world, even though she's full of insecurity. I'm not sure if it's like him trying mm. to say like, to, like let's inspire, get into a relationship or. He's trying to inspire confidence, but I can't tell if it's like inspiring confidence to start a relationship or to better her life. It's 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 vague, hmm. um, but that's what it seems to be about, at least 
on the macro level. I don't know. Number seven, which is called Undercover, and I believe it's Martin? It's spelled M-A-R-T-Y-N, and that is an Irish spelling of the name. Martin. I gave this a rating of three and a half Doris Cinema Club. Um, this has got like a really fast intro until the lyrics come in. Mm-hmm. And she's fine, da, 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 da. and it's basically just him saying those that that melody line where there's a guitar going, yeah, and eventually it builds and you hear a drum beat and then more instruments come in and then the chorus happens and they do that same build up again, um, but it's got that that line to the basement people oh, yeah, to the basement to the basement people and this song's about a friend who might not like be socially confident they're a little maybe have depression or like this social anxiety and they don't want to go out they want to stay in their basement they've got that Mm -hmm. isolation thing going on and he's trying to convince them to come out and he even talks about them like getting the guy to go out and the guy's getting sick in the car because he's nervous i guess Mm. um so it's kind of just interesting trying to get him like a friend to go out Mm. interesting theme for this yeah sounds like something that could have been on the uh what was that last british dance uh, band that you had Arctic here. Monkeys oh, yeah like a theme for them because they're always talking about going to clubs and stuff yeah <laughs> so I imagine this could be a theme that would fit on that record mm. but it's a little different for this album I think but I like that song a lot it's very catchy um, moving on to track number eight this is called What You Know it's my honorable mention and I gave nice. it four door cinema club the only the reason song. I honorably mentioned it is because it's so golden and catchy yes um lyrically i don't know i think it's about a guy realizing that his girlfriend really doesn't want to be alone and maybe that's the only reason why she wants to be with him Hmm. i think uh it's very vague uh i could be completely missing the mark on that one that's what i got out of it this is the this is the first song that i heard from them this is at least according to itunes the most popular song yeah Uh, very i heard it i heard it at first and i was like wow that's that's really catchy. catchy. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I should ch- definitely check them out. And then I didn't check them out for a little bit. And then I did. And now I'm checking it out. <laughs> On to the penultimate track, track number nine. This is called Eat That Up. It's good for you. <laughs> I didn't give this a rating. I don't know why, but I'm just going to go ahead and give it a rating of uh, three and three quarters. Three and uh, three door quarter cinema door club. cinema club. What kind of door would that be? A three quarter door? <laughs> Um, you know, like when you go into a horse like, stable and the like top the, opens, the but the sal- the bottom the doesn't. What about the saloon? Saloon mm. doors? No, because those open the whole way. Oh, the horse see, horse door where the bottom doesn't open, but the top does, so you can feed yeah. them. Like yeah. That. Okay, gotcha. Where Mister Ed <laughs> pops out. Um, this is has a droning instrument at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps an organ. Not really sure. Probably something similar. Yeah, some type of keyboard. That's what I got. Like at least I thought it was. Um, this one's not too fast. Again, it's not as abrasive. Not as abrasive. Uh, but it's got a really nice feel. Uh, the title seems odd, but it really makes sense in the context. Do you know what the song's about? Um, it seems like he's talking to a girl, uh, and I, I'm fairly confident it's a girl because he talks about like saying you look better without all the makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a guy. Who knows? But Never know. probably a girl, j- just uh, going by normalities. Um uh, it seems like the girl went through a bad breakup and is either abusing alcohol or drugs to deal with it. And he's not really like offering solutions per se, but just kind of like talking with her and like talking her through it and just like there to say, you know, we'll get through it, but it might happen again because 
the cycle or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's a really good song, kind of catchy. And to end on a down note, <laughs> the last song is called You're Not Stubborn, and I'm going to be stubborn about this. Okay. I gave this a rating of Two Door Cinema Club, and though the rating is the name of the band, it's still technically two out of five. <laughs> um, objectively, it's catchy, and it fits in with the, the sound of the rest of the album. Yeah. It just doesn't do much for me. Gotcha. Um, so it's not, nothing wrong with the track. It just doesn't jive with me. That's all. Does it jive um, with what you jive normally with? Yeah, it, it really doesn't. In, in all honesty, if I was to listen to this front to back, I might skip this one. Skip the last it's one. It's not bad. Um, I think the best part of this song is the bass tone. Uh, mm. It sounds like he uses a, a Music Man Stingray, that Ernie Ball bass. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite bass tones that you can get out of a, a, a bass guitar. Yeah. Um, and that sound pops up a, a lot in the album, so I didn't mention it mm. earlier, but I had to mention it on this song because it might be the only good <laughs> part about it. <laughs> But all in all, good album. Nice. Took me a while to get into, but worth it. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to our next episode. It will be another one-off. And Ooh. I believe instead of reviewing one album, we will review one song. Yes. And you might be thinking, Curious. one song? What the heck? We're going to review a song that's almost 19 minutes long. Yes. By a band that we've reviewed on this podcast before. No effects. Oh, yeah. The song, song. is called... The Decline. Heck yeah. It's a beast of a song, and so it we're going to take a one-off episode to tackle it. Yep. But it's uh, going to be good. If you have not heard it, give it a listen. Give it a listen. If you're ever out at a bar that has a jukebox, put it on it because, because it's got it's... the same credit rate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as other songs. And you get 20 minutes worth of music yeah. for the I, same amount. I have this on a 12-inch record, like a regular like sized vinyl, and it takes up an entire side. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Any uh, any final thoughts on your beer? Um, it stayed pretty consistent. The sweetness went down a little bit, but maybe that's because I got used to it. Yeah, probably that actually. Um, but really good beer. I'm mm. I'm happy with it. What about nice. you? As you might expect, it stayed very consistent. Yeah, I, I figured it would it be consistent all the way through. Nashville Brewing Co. Drop. does a really good job. Yeah, good to the last drop. They do a very fantastic job. If you're in the Nashville area, check them out. Yeah. Let's say we finish these beers and sign off. Let's do it up. Down the hatch. <sighs> Once again, my name is Stephen Johnston, and my name is Jesse Titus. Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American brews and tunes. Shibbity beep a